USC has got problems right now. And forget the college football playoff. If they don't change and start playing better, they're not winning the Pac-12. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team-free, but until then, beloved and loaded Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you. Wherever you listen to or watch the show, which today is brought to you by Game Time, download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On College for $20 off. Your first purchase. USC rankings, power rankings, all that coming up on today's show. And uh, we have a name in the, uh, shall we say, saga of the Pac-12's downfall that um, definitely deserves a hefty amount of blame. That name is Taylor Randall. We'll get to that later today on the show. But we're starting with USC. Are they playing good football right now? Here's the only upside I can think of if I were a USC fan, which obviously I am not. The Trojans are 6-0, and technically speaking, their goals are still in front of them. Coming into the season, they had goals to make the college football playoff, they had goals to win the Pac-12, they had goals of maybe winning the national championship. All those goals technically are still in front of them. Those goals are technically available to Louisville too. Louisville is a 6-0 football team. Anybody picking them to go to the college football playoff? I'm thinking not. When you're falling in the rankings after wins, it's indicative of what I've been talking about on Monday shows here on the pod, which is the vibe for USC fans shouldn't be great. And guess what? I don't think it is right now. I don't think it should be. And I hear from some USC fans who are not exactly thrilled with the way the product is looking on the field. Because you can be 6-0. and But when you've given up 28 points at home to San Jose State, who I believe is 1-5 right now in the Mountain West. 28 points on the road against Arizona State, who just managed 24 points against Colorado's defense in only 17 with a couple minutes to go, and then marched down the field to tie the game late, and the bus, uh, of course, won the football game. And then this past week, 28-2 Arizona's backup quarterback, Noah Fafita. Boy, did that guy look good. Quarterback of the future much? Kind of seems that way. Jaden DeLore, not sure when he's coming back, but regardless. You've got Arizona State, San Jose State, and Arizona who are all putting up 28 or more points on the Trojans' defense. That's a problem. That's a major problem. And then Saturday, USC saw why that's such a problem. Because they can only win right now one way. And that is the magically heroic efforts of number 13 in that Trojan red and gold. Caleb Williams is outstanding. And when he doesn't play really good football, USC trails Arizona 17 to nothing on their home field. That's what happens. And that is the problem. And USC's defense didn't have an answer in overtime either. 
I mean, they allow Arizona to go down the field, score a touchdown, get a two-point conversion. Look, is 28 points a horrific defensive day? It's not as bad as, say, you know, 41 against Colorado, for instance. But it sure isn't what a conference championship caliber team is going to do. What Washington on the road played better against Arizona than USC at home, I think they played better by a lot. Washington, it ended up being a one-score game. It wasn't actually a one-score game. The Huskies were up two possessions for most of the game. They were inside the five to make it a 21-point affair with like five minutes to go. And then they fumbled. Arizona goes down the field after they uh, exchange stops and they make it a one-score game. Washington recovers the onside kick. It wasn't actually that close. This USC game was not only as close as the final score indicated. Arizona was up three possessions on USC's home field. And they had to stage a comeback. And they had to rely on number 13. Like, it's the same sort of issue that showed up in the Pac-12 championship game a season ago against Utah. Caleb Williams gets a little dinged up in that game. Still able to play, but is a little dinged up. And what happens? Utah runs away with the football game. I, I mean, it is all on number 13. He has to be at his best, playing great, He's got a bunch of great weapons. He's got a great offensive coach. But if he isn't playing Heisman caliber football, USC is just not a very good football team. The good news is he does that more often than not. And last year, for instance, he didn't play that way against Oregon State, and they got lucky. He was pushed across the line again on fourth down. Chance Nolan threw four interceptions. Credit the Trojans' defense for that. I don't think anyone credits the Trojans' defense for anything right now. After that first week against San Jose State, USC's defense was getting all the flack from myself included. Like, that should not have happened. You, you just, that, that is an average at best, and we know now they're a below-average Mountain West team that went into Los Angeles put up 28 points like that just shouldn't happen that should not have been a close game at the half it was it was either 21 or 28 14 it was way too close but then the next two weeks against Stanford Nevada it looked like things had started to normalize and since then it has just been a bad game after bad game for USC's defense they just don't tackle well they they just don't If that does not change, if the defense doesn't play better, USC is not winning the Pac-12. This league is too good. We'll see what happens with the Cam Rising situation. If he comes back, Utah is a threat. If he doesn't, they are not. And that could be a benefit to USC. But how can you watch the Trojans at this point in the season and feel anything other than they're losing to Oregon and Washington? What, what, What about what they have shown leads you to believe they're capable of winning both of those games. I, I I see at least one loss there. And boy, it feels like two right now. I I, I just you, you can't you can't play like that and win this conference. In another year, like 20, you know, 18, 19 when the league wasn't quite as deep, maybe, maybe, but not right now. Not not like it gets real for USC this week. They're an underdog at Notre Dame. Their college football playoff hopes are on the line. They are not going through Pac-12 play undefeated. I didn't think they would before the season, and I don't think they will. It's it's technically still possible. I could be wrong. Absolutely. It's happened before. But something has to change. 
there there has to be another gear for USC defensively. You can't put it all on the shoulders of one guy week after week after week. That's just asking too much. Washington State comes to mind here, so let's transition to the Cougs. Offensively, my concern with Washington State the last two years has been, hey, can you do enough running the football to give Cam Ward some semblance of balance? They don't need to be dominant. They don't need to be 50-50. They can be 70-30. That's fine. But we saw on Saturday the same sort of problem. That Washington State offensive line was overpowered in the running game by UCLA's front four and front seven writ large. They couldn't run the ball. And Cam Ward was off. So when your chips are all in on a great quarterback, when it's good, it's it's USC beating you know Notre Dame last year or UCLA last year. It is fantastic. It's really good. Hard to stop. When Oregon State or when Washington State rather is all in and Cam Ward's playing super well, guess what? It's beating Oregon State at home and having a three possession lead. But when that is taken away, you have to have a secondary pitch. You can't just have a 99 mile an hour fastball. You'll go up against pro hitters who are able to turn it around. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not an impossible thing to do. You can't have just one way to win. And that's how it feels with USC. And offensively, I think for Washington, Washington State's defense is much better than USC's by far. Even though USC's got more composite talent, Washington State is better coached. Washington State is better schemed. And they tackle better. Just across the board, they're so much better. But they do have that same similar trait. That their offense feels at times like they need their quarterback to be Superman or else things just don't go the way that they were planned. So USC escaped, they stay alive, but boy, they I, I don't think they're feeling great right now, and I don't think they can win the Pac-12, barring a significant change. Rankings are difficult. Rankings are rankings are immensely difficult. Using prize picks, however, is really, really easy. Prize picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. We're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of betting thousands of other players, battling thousands of other players, rather, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than a particular total for a player, two to six player stat projections, and watch the winnings roll in. You get your winnings really quickly. You can go pick receiving yards, passing yards, rushing yards, whatever you want for a particular player. Go in there and check out all the great options that they have. And your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured with prize books prize picks reboot policy go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars that's prizepicks.com slash locked on college up to a hundred dollars you get your first deposit match you know there are a lot of games this week in the pack 12 six of them to be exact do you want to go to one of those game time is the way to do it you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater events near you with killer last minute deals all in prices views from your seat and their best price guarantee game time takes the guesswork out of buying 
tickets. They even have tickets available as the game has started. So if you just want to get it the very last moment, make a last second decision, Game Time has got you covered. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On College. That's L O C K E D O N C O L L E G E, Locked On College, for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, use code Locked On College for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Second segment sip in the books. Let's keep things going here and talk about rankings. Rankings are hard. It's what separates college football from the NFL that we have top 25 rankings and everything like that. It's because, as Josh Pate likes to say correctly, you are not where your record says you are and the week-to-week urgency is far superior to the NFL. Rankings are challenging. And I'll get to my Pac-12 power rankings after week six in a moment. But here's why they're tough. Washington State right now, is number 19 in the country. Number 19. Oregon State is number 15. Both have one loss. Oregon State's loss is to Washington State, a game in which Oregon State staged a comeback for sure, so it ended up being 38-35, but Washington State was a better football team. Yet they're four slots behind them, with two top 20 wins and a loss to a team in UCLA who, up until... They played Washington State, were in the top 25 through their non-conference slate because they were impressive against a couple of uh, respectable but not amazing G5 teams, but they were very dominant on that front. They go beat Washington State. They're 4-1. and one. They're back inside the top 25 at number 18, just ahead of the Kooks. I'm unclear as to why the logic applies that UCLA, who have a big game against Oregon State this week, we'll talk about that more later as the week goes on, why, why exactly... Does UCLA get the head-to-head same record advantage over Washington State, but Washington State doesn't get over Oregon State? I, 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 don't, I don't fully get that. And the answer, I believe, though I am not certain, is that the AP voters don't want to put too many Pac-12 teams in the top 15. And you can't drop Oregon State after a win. You have to reward them for a win by at least holding firm because they were pretty impressive in their win against Cal, at least offensively, defensively, not so much. But Washington State was number 13 in the country. And having a team go from unranked to being number 13 in the country, well, that just can't have that, right? Anyway, all this will play out over time, so I don't get too hung up on it. I do get mildly annoyed because as we know, in college sports, especially college football, perception matters a great deal. In more than one area, whether it's recruiting or rankings or branding or anything like that. The Pac-12 has got seven teams inside the top 25 uh, once again. USC dropped after their win over Arizona, as they should. I I still look at USC's resume. Here's the thing. And here's where Coug fans get annoyed. And I, once again, as usual, am fully in their camp on this front. Why is Washington State's schedule and what they have compiled so far less impressive than USC? As Josh Pate says correctly, you are not where your record says you are. USC is 6-0. and Washington State has been more impressive in their game so far this season. That is a fact. Washington State's got two top 20 wins. USC's got none. USC's played two close games. They haven't played a ranked opponent yet. Have not played one. They've played a couple of teams at the bottom of the Pac-12, one team in the middle. Oh, I'm sorry. They played three teams at the bottom of the Pac-12. They played Colorado, Arizona State, and Stanford. And, and they've played, Arizona is the best team they've played. 
who are going to fight to be a bowl-eligible team this year, I think they'll be able to do it because they look pretty darn good. Washington State's got two top 20 wins and a loss to a top 25 team in UCLA. It's inconsistent. It's frustrating. It's annoying. But my reminder to everybody would just be to try to put yourself at ease from that frustration is it all plays out at the end of the day. You'll have the chance to prove that you belong above those teams, but it is certainly frustrating for Washington State to be the lowest ranked uh, team in the top 20 amongst the Pac-12 teams that are there when they have two top 20 wins on the season, which continue to look good. The Oregon State win continues to look good. You know why? Because it is a really good win. It's, it's, a, it's a really good win for Washington State. The Wisconsin win continues to look good. The, the Badgers are on the cusp of being back in the top 25. So anyway, uh, let's get to Pac-12 power rankings here. Uh, th- this, is, this is really tough. This is, this is really tough. You can make the case I took the easy way out here, but I, I'm going to explain myself because I, I literally sat and looked at this for like 20 minutes trying to find a justification to go one way over the other. And I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't quite do it. So here's, here's where I'm at. Washington is number one for me. They've been the most impressive to this point. That is backed up by how they you know, played against Arizona, winning on the road, and that they were up two scores for most of the game. Oregon's right behind them. Then there is a gap. There, there is a gap at this point in time until we see evidence to the contrary. Until Washington State plays at Oregon next week, they've got Arizona this week uh, in a game that I think they will win against the Wildcats at home. The, uh, until we see Washington State play one of the one of the top two teams in my power rankings right now, it's hard to know for certain how the teams that are in that next tier compare to the top two. But right now, my power rankings go Washington, Oregon, and then there's a gap. There need, there, there, there's got to be a gap. And you can put the you can make the gap as large as you want. I think those are clearly, to this point in the season, the best teams that we have seen so far in the conference. They also happen to be squaring off in the college game day matchup this Saturday in Seattle. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to go uh, further down the list, and then I'll jump back to the middle. So Washington 1, Oregon 2. From the bottom up, I've got Stanford at 12, ASU 11, Cal 10, Colorado 9, Arizona 8, which leaves five teams remaining. And I am struggling to put those teams in the spot. So let's go with who should be right above Arizona. And there again feels like a gap here. Though Arizona is a good team, it it feels like the... Although they just played even with USC, so I don't really know if uh, even... The logic I was about to lay out would, would have applied. I think tied for that number seven spot right above Arizona are USC and Utah. But here's the thing. USC still has the best player in college football who, when he has things rolling, is unstoppable. When he doesn't have things rolling, as I talked about earlier, is relying upon a defense that cannot tackle to save their lives. Cannot do it. Have not done it this year. Did not do it last year. Still not doing it. Like, got no faith in him on that side of the ball. Do I have faith in Caleb Williams? I do. I know there are some people out there who, you know, are not as big of fans and don't think the hype is real and everything like that. Like, believe whatever you want. I've been very consistent on my thoughts on Caleb Williams. 
The dude is the best player in the country. And he can do a lot of things for you. It's not great when he's required to be Superman for them to win. But guess what? He's good enough to be Superman. He's, he, he's that kind of guy. So USC and Utah put me in a bind here. Because if Cam Rising is there, I power rate Utah ahead of USC. But guess what? Cam Rising is not currently playing football and does not appear to have a timeline to doing so. We don't know if he's playing this week against Cal. We, we, we don't know. Now, Utah's defense still gives them a baseline standard that is good enough. But if you have no Cam Rising, then I put Utah just above Arizona. And then I would have USC right above Utah. Because if Nate Johnson and Bryson Barnes are going back and forth with the quarterback situation, the Utes offense just doesn't have anything it can really do. And the defense is still really, really good. So I'd have Utah at number seven right now with no Cam Rising. Utah with Cam Rising though, if he comes back and can be 80 to 90% of what he's been in his career as the Utes quarterback, he Utah could be number three. I could power rate them number three. Absolutely with the way that defense has played this season. But we just don't know. So I'll stick Utah at seven and USC at six. And the other three, this is just, it's so Pac-12 that it hurts. Nothing hurts about getting the Jace case though, because the Jace case has got five five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is fill out a simple online form and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. Get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment-related questions. Doctor created, doctor recommended. You don't want to be caught unprepared in today's world. Take charge to be able to provide care for yourself or your loved one during the unexpected. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your Jace case today. So I'm left in a bind here. I'm, I'm left in a bind of, you know, who do I think's got the most potential? Who do I power rate with, you know, what's been the most impressive so far and everything like that? UCLA, Oregon State, Washington State, this is so Pac-12 that it hurts. And, I, and, and this is where some people say, you're taking the easy way out. Well, I don't know what else to do here. These teams are all in a tie for third. Washington State, Oregon State, UCLA. UCLA's defense is legit. That is a good Washington State offense, and they thwarted them completely and dominated the game and won the game. But then I have a concern. Here's the thing. is I can look at all these teams and tell you what I really like about them. Then I can tell you the big concern I have. And then there's this wonderful world in which Oregon State plays UCLA this week. So we'll get, maybe get some more clarity there. But Washington State beat Oregon State, but then UCLA beat Washington State. You can't power rank one team above another when you've got all of this craziness going on, and it's just painfully Pac-12. I'll put them all above USC because my questions about these teams are not as significant, though UCLA is close because Dante Moore is still playing like a true freshman, though in theory will get better as the season goes along. I'd put UCLA probably as the lowest of the three, but then again, they just beat Washington State. So how's that fair to UCLA? Answer, it's not. It's why they're all three tied. So based on what I've seen from the teams, who's been the most impressive, and what I think the overall upside is, 
I think the tie for third in the Pac-12 power rankings right now is Washington State, Oregon State, UCLA. And there's a big question with all of them. Is Dante Moore going to stop throwing a bunch of interceptions? Is Oregon State's defense capable of playing well on the road? Is Washington State able to run the football? These are legitimate concerns that have reared their heads for all of those teams. I think they're smaller concerns compared to USC's entire defensive unit, no matter where they play. Because Oregon State's defense, good at home, bad on the road. USC's defense, bad at home, bad on the road. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Just does not matter. Utah's offensive situation throws a wrinkle into all this. So that's why I say rankings are hard. So Washington, Oregon, one, two. Then there's a gap, it feels. Tied for third, Washington State, UCLA, and Oregon State. Then USC, then Utah, Arizona, Colorado, Cal, Arizona State, Stanford. Go ahead, tear the power rankings to shreds. That's how I feel about things right now. Speaking of tearing to shreds, the leadership of the Pac-12 over the last 10 to 15 years has orchestrated unintentionally in some instances the downfall of the conference, much to my chagrin. And I had long commented during the whole saga this summer about, hey, Um, I I really feel like at some point there's going to be a need for after-the-fact reporting on who made these decisions, what, what exactly went down here, and all this sort of stuff. And information continues to come out on that front. Shout out to my guy, Dang Trojan, who listens to the show and was upset at me proactively for not mentioning this on the show. Like he, he was not thrilled because he was convinced I wasn't going to bring this up which is weird because I hadn't recorded a show yet and I had seen it and I had jotted it down in my notes to talk about on today's show. But you know what? That's okay. I understand his frustration there. I mean, I don't, but I do. So anyway, Taylor Randall, the University of Utah president, John Canzano reported that the president who got with one of his professors to get to the $50 million valuation standpoint that led to them rejecting the $30 million a year school or a year uh, media deal per school with Fox and ESPN that Klyovkov did present to the presidents. For all the flack George Klyovkov takes, that deal went out. He, he went out, had that deal, brought it to them, and they said, nope. You're going to go back and get this. And so they decided collectively. Now, you can blame George Klyovkov partially for saying or for not being able to look at the presidents and going, hey, we need to be able to just keep the conference together. And we can't get picky about, you know, a few million dollars a school. It's obviously a little more than that when you're talking about from 30 to 50 million. But they were never going to get 50 million without UCLA. You can talk about missteps of George Klyovkov. But what was my saying that is going on my gravestone when I die all summer long? Presidents vote on realignment. Well, this particular president has made, we know now, a colossal mistake of determining through his own research, always a good idea in today's world when someone says something that can be boiled down to the effect of, I did my own research. Sometimes that's a good thing, but we all know the sentiment I'm talking about here. So Taylor Randall makes this massive mistake and thinks because of a professor at his university that the schools are actually worth $50 million each per year. Uh, Just as a recap, Utah, Utah, Arizona State, Arizona and Colorado are going to the Big 12 for about $30 million a year. Cal and Stanford are going to the ACC for much less than that. 
Oregon and Washington are going to eventually have the most. They're also in the low $30 million a year range. And eventually an escalator clause will build that up. So this just brilliant thinking here and outstandingly accurate research was a major factor in leading to the Pac-12 turning down an offer that would have kept the conference together, including Colorado. That is what every report is indicated is that if this deal had been agreed to by everybody, Colorado wouldn't have jumped to the Big 12, which was never the move that tanked the Pac-12 in the first place after USC and UCLA left. It was Oregon and Washington leaving, but they were out there trying to scramble to find a deal. And then the media market turned and the economy took a hit and everything lined up. But the deal was there, but it was Utah's Taylor Randall who apparently was leading the charge on, no, we can get $50 million of school or in that sort of range. They got greedy. They got arrogant. They were flat out wrong. And, and the presidents who, you know, when the Pac-12 was undergoing its demise and I said, well, who's to blame here? Pac-12 presidents deserve the lion's share of the blame. The ones who hired Larry Scott, who didn't fire Larry Scott, who enabled Larry Scott and all the decisions that were made, everything that went down. And this is just a fantastic example of all of it. Just gross ignorance and incompetence. I don't know Taylor Randall. I don't have I don't know him personally. I don't have some vendetta against him. Just that that particular error that he made helped contribute to the downfall of the conference that I love. So it sucks. Anyway, let's wrap up with some football talk. This is from Ryan out of the, out of the mailbag. YouTube comments or Twitter uh, at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. DMs and mentions wide open. This question from Ryan. Can we get receiver rankings in the pack? Yes, of course you can, Ryan. So this is not merely a compilation of the 10 leading wide receivers in the Pac-12. These are who I judge at this point in time to be the best receivers in the conference, who if I had a draft per se, if it was a fantasy draft of you know picking my own Pac-12 team to assemble, I would take them in this order. Number one, Roma Dunze from Washington. I think it's a pretty easy choice. Number two is also a pretty easy choice. Troy Franklin at Oregon. Those two are going to the NFL next year, and they'll be taken within the first two or three rounds. They're both really good. Number three, have you guys watched Tetairoa McMillan at Arizona this year? He is bigger. He was thin when he got to Arizona. He has built himself up. He's really good. I'm, I'm a T-Mac fan. T-Mac at number three. I'll take Travis Hunter at number four from Colorado. Zachariah Branch at USC went healthy number five. His teammate, Brendan Rice, number six. You know, Rice is a guy who transferred from Colorado to USC, didn't play a ton last year, but then kind of had a coming out party in the, in the Cotton Bowl. If he were on a team like Washington State, for instance, or Arizona State, or like a lot of different teams, he'd be the number one target. He was at Colorado and he would not be with Travis Hunter there. He'd probably be the number two target, though. I think he's really good, which is not a shot at uh, the other Colorado receivers who do a really good job. Brandon Rice, number six. Jalen McMillan at Washington, number seven. Jeremiah Hunter at Cal. Don't sleep on the Bears' number one offensive weapon. He is, he is a big physical guy who makes contested catches. I like Jeremiah Hunter a lot. Always have. Jalen Polk. At Washington, I like the fact that Washington has three in the top 10 here is completely justified. 
because they're really good. Probably the best receiving core in the country. They make, like, they just do everything. There's nothing the Washington receivers cannot do. So Jalen Polk, number nine. And then Kyle Williams. Got to shout out the top target thus far uh, for, for Cameron Ward and the passing offense. Like, Ward has been the driving force of it, but Williams has been really, really good. Williams has been good. I, I'd take him. So uh, Adunze, Franklin, McMillan, Hunter, Branch, Rice, other McMillan, uh, Hunter, Polk, and uh, Kyle Williams. Those would be my top 10. I think that's enough for today. Gosh, we have so much to get to this week. I'm excited for tomorrow's show already. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.